The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. You know, it occurred to me that this may be the last time we ever speak. Oh, for Christ's sake. Why would you say something like that? You're going in for surgery, man. That is always a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's a slightly enhanced version of the surgery that I've had three times in the past year. I'll be fine. Are you sure? Jeez, you sound like my wife or my mom. I mean, my mom called today. She's all panicky. My wife is upstairs cowering under the covers because she's worried that something's going to happen to me. No, I'll be fine. They're still going up through the front door down under. Am I right? Uh, yeah, and through the back. They have to go up through the front to stabilize the kidney stone, and then they're going to cut into the back and uh, do a combination of laser and um, ultrasonic um, uh, blasting to, to get this giant kidney stone out. Sounds like while they're at it, they might as well do some renovation work. Is there anything else you need done? I'm, I'm going to ask uh, just before I go under. Is, is there anything that you can do uh, you know, down there? <laughs> just, you know, you never know. You, gotta, you, you know, renowned urologist might have some tips. Oh, well, that sounded bad. Yeah. <laughs> Live from Studio 3B. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes, Spotify, and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast. With Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. We have got a gadget you need if you don't want anyone to see what you're doing on your computer screen. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And if you're stressed out, we've got a musical track guaranteed by science to lower your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Plus, uh, and this is not true, but Michael seems to think it is, this could be my last ever podcast. Not going to happen. He's just trying to scare you and me. No, I'm worried about no, you. No, I'll be fine. Are you sure? Positive. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So I finally received my day tripper. Your day tripper? What are you talking about? Yes. Do you remember I was telling you about this? Um, there's a website that's kind of like Etsy, but instead of for crafty type people, it's for geeky type people who make circuit board type gadget tree. Oh, right. So what did you, I can't remember. I... And it was called Tindy, not Tinder. It's a whole different thing, Tindy. And so if you build a gadget and you want to sell it to other people in kit form or fully assembled, Tindy, T-I-N-D-I-E.com is where you go. And Oh, it's like all those, those old Heath kits that you used to get. Exactly. So with that in mind, I stumbled across this on a website, um, a blog post about it, and it's a hide my windows laser tripwire. Do you remember this? Oh, right. So when somebody comes in the, the door behind you or in, I guess, what, some proximity to you, uh, whatever you're watching on your screen is minimized or something. The premise being is it's kind of like a, a high-end boss key where if you're playing a video game at work and the boss opens your door, it automatically uh, locks your computer so you get that desktop lock screen instead. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's not for the boss. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of the funny thing about it, right? Is that, that they're, they're promoting it as, hey, if you're doing something at work you shouldn't be doing, well, what on earth would you possibly be doing you don't want anybody to know? 
So I bought one uh, ostensibly as an interesting little gadget to add to the flight seat that I'm building. Oh, that's right. I forgot about it. For my VR uh, flight simulator, mm -hmm. where when you sit in it, uh, the laser wire trips um, and then powers everything up and everything kicks in, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but of course, there is one other primary purpose that you would have this, and I have some very positive things to report. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Not only does it work, you know, the, the laser trip is only about two and a half, maybe three feet. So it's the kind of thing you would put um, in a door frame. Right. Uh, but you wouldn't put it in a large room to monitor the whole room. But the neat thing about it is because it's the same kind of wireless frequencies as cordless phones, you can place it almost anywhere in a rather large area. So I tried this by putting it upstairs. Uh, on the second floor and plugging it into the media center PC in the family room in the basement. Mm -hmm. And it trips the moment the little one gets out of bed. Okay. So it works. <laughs> okay. And it was only, it was only 80 Canadian dollars. That's not a bad deal. There, there really isn't a bad deal. Right. Um, they will assemble it for you for a couple of extra bucks, but it was literally just a bunch of screws. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've had this going for a little while just to see how it works out. And, and my wife, who, by the way, ever since we did the live on location from Black Lab Brewing, I'm not calling her wifey anymore. No, I'm sorry I ruined that. Well, I, no, I think I basically helped you with that because she didn't like being called wifey. She didn't. I had no idea. She's been calling me hubby for years. I've been calling her wifey for years. Yeah. And I thought it was a term of, en of endearment, but she, she didn't go for it. I, I know, but guys are kind of stupid sometimes and we just get it wrong. It, it, yeah. it occurred to me too, you know, there's a Judy Bloom book called Wifey and it's all about infidelity and some terrible things. So maybe oh. she read it. Yeah, maybe she read it. You know, Judy Bloom was that person that wrote all those books for adolescents when I was growing up. For, for adolescent girls. Uh, no, there was there for boys, too. And uh, she wrote an adult novel, and I think her first one was called Wifey. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, Judy Bloom and Wifey. I thought Judy Bloom was all about books for girls. Like No, no, no. For, 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 for God, are you there? It's me, Margaret. That's one of them. Then she wrote, then again, maybe I won't, which is also, which was for, for young boys. Uh, Judy Bloom. Hmm. Oh, boy, she, how old? She's 81 years old. Oh, God. I, I thought there wasn't an actual Judy Bloom. I thought it was a nom de plume, as nope. it were. Well, her name is Judith Sussman. And Bloom was better than Sussman? Uh, yes. All right. Just going to look this up. I want, I want to get to the bottom of this wifey. Oh, look at all the books that she wrote. Uh, wifey, 1978. Is that old? You got to be careful when you go back that far. Uh, I remember buying a 1985 edition of The Joy of Sex by Dr. Alex Comfort. Yeah. And that was an update from the 70s version. And even then, um, it was just rife with bad information. My favorite bad information bit from the Joy of Sex 1980s edition was, don't bother thinking that you might be bisexual. Why would you try to go after 100% of the planet when you're having trouble getting just 50% of the planet in bed? <laughs> that's actually that was the advice it's actually not bad advice <laughs> well from a numbers perspective it's all backwards yeah. you think that if you had a larger pool in which to dive in you would eventually catch a fish to mix a bunch of metaphors back to wifey uh the story follows the life of a uh, bored 1970s new jersey housewife her name is sandy pressman 
She decides to reinvigorate her life by having an extramarital affair with an old high school boyfriend. This decision is complicated when she accidentally discovers evidence her husband might be having a long-term affair, somewhat emblematic of the time period of open marriages and difficult, different mores. This was the first blue novel by Bloom to directly address adult lives and sexuality. So there you go. It's, uh, I want you to go to Google Image Search. Okay. Yeah. And I want you to type in. Yeah. Hang on. Wifey's World. Oh, dear. Wifey's World. Okay. And then and you want the images? Oh, my. So needless to say, I'm not calling her wifey anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Want to show your love of the world's most popular podcast, but don't want to open your wallet? Rate and review The Big Show on iTunes and Stitcher. We're not above bribing you either. The craziest review could win you free crap from the Geeks and Beats swag store. Can I tell so you? I this, no. Sorry, I got this little thing, and I need to find out from you if it's true or not. Mm. It's a, a sort of a meme-like image that reads... There's a song that's been proven to reduce anxiety by 65%. It's called Weightless by Macaroni Union, and it was specifically designed to slow your heart rate, reduce blood pressure, and lower cortisol levels. It's so effective that it's dangerous to drive while listening to it because it can make you drowsy. Yeah, I've written about this before. This was actually a genetically engineered song for um, making people calmer. sort of scientific study they to did. include how it works. I'm just trying to find it. Uh, is this the most relaxing song in the world? Here it is. Um, hang on. It is called yeah, the Mark, it's Marconi Union. Not Macaroni. It says Macaroni in the graph. No, it's Marconi Union. The track is called It's <laughs> a bit weird. Um, it's it's called Weightless uh, and, and it was created by uh, it was a study that was done by a guy named uh, Dr. David Lewis Hodgson in the British Academy of Sound Therapy, the most relaxing song in the world. There's, there's a short version, but if you go online, you can find a 10-hour version that will de-stress you very, very well. How does it work? It's just really, you know, you think about spa music or the kind of music that you hear when you go in for a massage. It's that kind of thing. It's designed to increase your theta waves and basically bring you down to a nice, even heartbeat. Uh, I think there's... Um, I think the beats per minute on this song is around 65. And when you're subjected to something like this, your own heartbeat tends to match that of the music. So the idea is to bring down your heart rate and that'll bring down your blood pressure and that'll make you calm. Ah, that's just like if you have a partner and you're spooning in bed, your heart rate and their heart rate will sink. Something like that. I don't want to talk about spooning with you. Well, you don't have to spoon with me. No, I, I won't be doing that. I would think not. Even in Las Vegas, I'm not going to be doing <laughs> Hey, do you want to talk about Vegas? Uh, we might as well. I made the segue, didn't I? You did. Y'all still want me to come with you? You had some news for me, and I have some news for you. 
Okay, I'm going to give you my news first because I don't think it's quite as good as what I feel you're going to tell me. Okay. But I can tell you that I was approached by an ad agency that represents a series of audio-video manufacturers and they're fans of Geeks and Beats. They're going to be going to CES. They would be interested in talking to us about some kind of partnership. What kind of organization? It's a marketing company. It's a sorry, a, a PR company, mm -hmm. and they have they represent a bunch of audio gear, and they're going to CES, and they would like to talk to us about it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. In a related vein, knowing that you are the gearhead that you are. Mm -hmm. uh oh, I've been offered Bye. to have us host the podcast. Uh -huh. at CES in one of the booths of one of the auto industry players. <gasps> oh no, which one? Now, it's not a uh, a tier one automotive manufacturer like a Ford, GM, you know, Honda, that kind of thing. Uh, that's fine. Some of the better stuff is done by the second and third tier. And that's what I'm getting at, is I know that you have an interest in things like audio systems, the center console. Yes, yes. This is the type of organization that deals in the world of autonomous vehicles Ooh. and all of the hardware for that, too. So they said, why don't you do the show from our booth? And so... I fired off a detailed response via email. Wait, they offered? They, they they offered. Okay. And so I said, sounds fantastic, because quite frankly, while we have media access with good upload rates on internet service and a table and power and all that kind of stuff, um, they always put us in a really crappy location because we're not CNBC. Right. So instead, we could be in the thick of it with actually interesting stuff going on behind us while we're live on location Ooh, yeah because our our backdrop was a cement wall <laughs> kind of yeah yeah so the 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 suggestion i made was hey that's fantastic thank you would you be interested in taking this to the next level because as i point out in this email we're trying to raise ten thousand dollars via gofundme campaign with the listenership to be able to send us there. And at this point, we're for all intents and purposes about 12 to 32% of the way there, depending on whether you include the funds that we've already raised over the course of the last year with Patreon and PayPal. Well, let's, okay, I think we should actually cover that. So my suggestion was maybe we could actually do some interviews with some really interesting people in the automotive technology space while we're down there. Oh, hell yeah. Maybe we do special podcasts for that organization. Oh, hell yeah. And then I took a meeting with another organization that is in the PR industry as well. And they have clients that are going down there and they're going to spend the next two weeks figuring out if we can maybe cover some of their content, some of their material, some of their clients you know, just go down. Here's a list of interesting people to talk to. Find out some interesting stuff. Fantastic. So we may be going after all, my friend. So long as you make it, you know, out of the operating room. No, don't. So no, 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 no. I'll be fine. Oh, well, this is good. This is really, really cool. Nice work. And if I can get my people on board, 
we could this could be an embarrassment of riches for this sort of thing. I'm thinking it's a possibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. We do, in fact, have a plan to get to CES 2020. Mm. It, it isn't fully formed yet, but it sounds like between you and me. We've got some potential leads, but that doesn't mean that we still don't need support from the listeners. No, any help you can provide would be great. Um, Anything that we do raise or earn, we are going to plow back into the program uh, so we can give you as much value as you can, as we can, as we can. I mean, this is where we, we live to do this sort of thing. Right. It's not like we're going to go out and buy the new iPhone 11 Pro with the money. No, 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 no. We, we're not going to take our wives out for dinner. We're not going to go to a strip club. We're, we're actually going to actually, we're, you know, plow it into the program. So if you go to geeksandbeats.com, right at the top, there's a button to support the show on GoFundMe. Uh, of course, you can be a regular supporter of the show by going to our Patreon page as well. Again, all available by going to geeksandbeats.com, clicking the support the show link. Or if you don't like to set up another damn account with Patreon, you can instead choose PayPal, which is a recurring weekly kind of donation sort of thing. So those are a bunch of different ways in which you can help out the big show by uh, going to geeksandbeats.com getting us to ces 2020 so we can cover some really interesting things can i talk a little bit about a dream i had um you know that doesn't generally go well i okay am i dreaming no where am i in bed what am i doing talking to myself Look, I must have a star on my door. Or better still, a door, a door, a door. <laughs> Swing doors, huh? Look, 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 okay, doors. Swing. This was, I, I, I don't know why, maybe it's because I'm a little tense about the surgery, but I, I had a dream the other night where I was arguing with someone, I don't know who, but we got into this really intense argument over the atomic weight of hydrogen. Why? I don't know why. It's a dream. Do you know what the actual atomic weight is? Wait, wait. Oh, okay, sorry. So I, this person, whoever it was, insisted that the atomic weight of hydrogen was 1.085. Close. And I was yelling at this person saying, no, 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 it's 1.075. Also almost close. I woke up. The first thing I did was grab my iPad and enter what is the atomic weight of hydrogen. And it turns out it's 1.0075. So I'm up by a factor of 10. 1.00784. 784. So I'm... Wait, what was it? 1.00784. Yeah. So I'm up by about a factor of 10, let's say. Um... I haven't thought about this sort of chemistry since grade 12 with Mr. Richards. I have no idea why I would be arguing with somebody like this in my dreams. And I have no idea why I would be so close to the correct answer. Isn't there that theory that it's not that we don't remember things it's that we don't know how to access the memories of the things and that actually everything we see, hear, and feel, we record permanently, and it's just a function of retrieval. 
I, I guess so. So there's an example of, of it actually working. And it, it really did freak me out. Do you, so, do you know the year in which we discovered the atomic number for hydrogen, the number of electrons per shell? That never came out in, uh, in your dream. That never came up in my argument. The year 1766. Yeah, well, I wasn't around then, nor have I been reading about... Well, you know, if you're going to believe this idea that we we remember everything and it's just about retrieval, maybe you might want to throw in past lives to the mix. Um, you know, maybe maybe, maybe that's it. I, I have no idea. Um, but the brain is a mysterious thing. Wifey would... Sorry, my wife would argue <laughs> that um, that's a, a perfect example of a past life coming back to you. It might be. It really might be, or grade 12 chemistry with Mr. Richards. We had, uh, in my high school, Dr. Clovis. Not Mr. Clovis, Dr. Clovis. You actually had a doctor teaching in your high school? Well, I guess he had a PhD. He was that kind of doctor. Yeah. And when he came from England to Canada and got the job at my high school, he came as Dr. Clovis because he had a PhD. My English teacher, she also had a PhD, and she was furious that he was going around calling himself doctor. So she then insisted that she be called Dr. Brown. So we would come back from summer break and suddenly out of nowhere, this teacher insisted she be called Dr. Brown. And we had no idea until as the school year continued and all the rumors started out, we figured it all out. Mm. Well, it seems a little petty to me. Uh, yeah, but when it comes to letters after your name, you spend a lot of time and money getting those letters and, you want the credit. You never really got into chemistry? Me? Oh, no. I, I had a chemistry set downstairs in the basement, uh, and I would go... You and me both. Oh, man. And I had one of the ones that would kill you. Yes. I, I think you're, you're about 10 years older than me, and yeah. I think I was the last generation, you know, uh, born in the 70s, child of the 80s, the last to get an actual chemistry set in which you could burn down the house, of which I almost did. Yeah, uh, copper sulfate, per uh, uh, potassium permanganate. Um, here's how you make hydrochloric acid using, um, you know, Did you get the salt and water? Frogs? Oh, oh. No, that was a little too biological. Everything for me was, was pure chemistry. I got those as well. Hmm. No, I... Uh, I once figured out a way, I found a chemistry book someplace, and I was able to make this super, super, super concentrated sulfuric acid, and uh, I ended up pouring it down the drain, and it ate away many of the pipes. Um, and I would go to, there was a guy, we had Boyd's Drugstore, and there was a guy, the, the pharmacist was Jack Boyd, and I would go there as, as a kid and say, you know, I need, you know, these chemicals, and he would give me bags of these things. Because that's what pharmacists did back then. If you needed some, you know, potassium permanganate, you could get it from the guy behind the counter at the drugstore. You know, what else did I need? I needed uh, methyl hydrate for the, for the burner. Professor Bunsen Honeydew would be proud. Yes, he certainly would be proud. I'm Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. This is Muppet Labs, and I'm Tickled Pink to announce our solution to the banana problem. As you know, once removed from the bunch, bananas cannot be reinserted. This results in extra bananas lying around underfoot, where they can be hazardous to your health. 
problems disappear with our new electric banana sharpener. Show them, Beaker. I got to raid my elementary school science lab for any of the chemicals I wanted at the end of the school year. My nickname by all the bullies in grade eight was Suzuki. And I, I actually got a chance at one point in my broadcast career to interview David Suzuki. And in the commercial break, where you usually just set up the microphone and make sure that everybody can hear each other on the remote uh, interview, I had reference to him. I said, you know, being called Suzuki was considered an insult by the bullies. And at the time, I considered it an incredible compliment. I had a nickname, too. I don't remember what it was. I was the only person in my group to actually have this chemistry set. And I remember that I had concocted something that was so foul that it, uh, it, it permanently stained the concrete floor in the basement. I don't remember what it was, but it was really, really you know, purple. That's all I remember. I'm on the Amazon.com, and I typed in chemistry set and sorted it from most expensive to least. And at $115.99 Canadian with free shipping, it's Kids First Chemistry Set. And what does it have? No chemicals in it whatsoever. None whatsoever. Okay. so it, uh, I'm going through the product description. It won't even tell me what the chemicals are in it. And then I find myself on melscience.com with their starter kit. And it's got a virtual reality headset. Hmm. How crazy is that? Yeah, okay. But it still doesn't look like it's a big-time chemistry set, as in the days of yore. Um, they've got 27 different uh, chemistry sets. Do you want to do the chemistry and light, the rocket science, or the flame? Oh, wait a second. Okay, well, we'll I, I found some stuff here, but go ahead. Uh, flame. The experiments are burning magnesium, green sparkles... And rocket fuel. You know what, when, what chemical you need to burn to get green sparkles? That's mm, mm, copper, isn't it? You're right. It's copper sulfate. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Oh, it's a chemistry subscription. Welcome to the 21st century chemistry set, where it's not a buy this thing and play with it until you run out. It's a recurring subscription revenue model. Oh, I see. For the chemicals and the experiments. That's brilliant. I have found something here. This is on eBay. It's Fun with Gilbert Chemistry, 1946. Oh, wow. A hundred bucks. And They're selling them from 1946 Yes, today? yes. It is How a likely are those chemicals still functional? I don't think... I was looking... Uh, and there's one, two... God, there's, there's probably two dozen bottles of chemicals one of them has a radiation warning on it what the hell is that awesome uh and then another uh, did i ever tell you my story about the school class trip to the pickering nuclear power plant no what did you what did you do in sector 7g <laughs> so when a nuclear power plant has multiple levels and as you go down the levels not up the levels but down the levels the radiation hazard is greater and greater and greater until you get to the point where we're at the core level. Mm -hmm. And so every time you go 
into an increasing level or a decreasing level, every time you change levels, you have to go through a test machine. And the test machine gets more and more complex as you get closer to the nuclear reactor. And when we got like to the nuclear reactor level, it was right out of The Simpsons. There were like literally barrels upon barrels stacked on each other in corners. You know, with radiation warning labels on them and crap like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, we got down to the, the primary level where we actually get to look into the pool where all the rods are. And this is like the heart of the nuclear power plant. And this one was the most intense test of all of them. The other ones were little tiny telephone booth sized boxes you would go in. They'd blow air and then they'd test the air. Mm -hmm. This one was different. You put your feet in these little holes on the floor level, and then you put your hands in these holes as well. And the counter would go five, four, <laughs> three, two, one, green. And then the next kid would go. And so I'm like eighth of 20 in line. And I go in and it goes five, four, three, two, one <laughs> and all the kids in my class scatter like and the guy who's giving the tour is like what did you touch and i'm like i swear i didn't touch anything like I, I thought i might have had one of those homer simpson like glowing rods stuck in the back of my shirt right it turns out it is so sensitive that moving your hands or feet during the test generates enough radiation for it to freak out. Did I tell you about my attempt to cross the border earlier this year? You had some sort of nuclear problem with that? I did, as a matter of fact. I went to the hospital and I had something called a renal scan. And what they do is they inject an isotope into your blood, follow it through your body as they give you a CT scan, and it determines exactly how well your kidneys are functioning. So that day, I had to go and do a speaking engagement in Buffalo. So I drove to the Peace Bridge, and I'm waiting in line, waiting in line. I finally get close to the front of the line when all of a sudden, all the gates to America slam shut. <laughs> and these guys start walking up and down the lines of all these cars. Waving a wand? Where they had these, these boxes. It looks like a shoebox with a handle. And what the hell is going on here? A literal Geiger counter. A bunch of them. And then the guy comes to the car and he looks at me and goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> Off to what? the side. Yeah. What do you mean, oh, it's you? Oh, it's me. Because I'm sitting in my car, in amongst all these other cars, in this vast plaza, and somehow the radiation detection equipment at the U.S. border picked up that I had this isotope that was in my body. This isotope, which had a half-life of six hours. So I was hauled into the office and they scanned me and they went through the car to make sure there wasn't smuggling plutonium. And then they finally sent me on my way after about an hour saying, don't do that again. Don't get a medical procedure again or don't get a medical procedure then drive across the U.S. border. That's it. Because they their gear is so sensitive. I can't remember what the isotope was, but again, it's, it's really, really, really uh, benign because they're injecting it into your body. But they... they and figure it out. It was me. They tore apart my car and they questioned me and it was awful.
okay, I found this vintage chemical. So I found this vintage chemistry set and I've got a good look at what chemicals are actually included. Are, are, you, are you ready for this? Okay, hook me up. Uh, ferric ammonium sulfate. Okay. Tartaric acid, ammonium chloride, sodium thiosulfate, uh, powder charcoal. Uh, what else do we have? Sodium carbonate, chrome alum, tannic acid. Sodium ferrocyanide? <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I, I don't even know what that is. Um, uh, ferric ammonium sulfate, by the way, you know what they use that for? What? Two primary purposes. Wastewater treatment and tanning. Uh, powdered zinc? <laughs> you had nothing to say about Donald Trump being orange? I, I got nothing. No, no, no. I'm just looking at cobalt chloride. Cobalt? Well, cobalt chloride's not that bad. It's very inert. It makes beautiful blue colors. Yes. And if you create a super solution of it and then put a string in it and let it uh, cool at room temperature, you get some really cool crystals. How about strontium nitrate? <laughs> Look that up. Strontium nitrate is an inorganic compound made of elements strontium and nitrogen under SRNO32. It's red. Uh, when you set it on fire. So that's what they use in um, fireworks. And magnesium sulfate, calcium monophosphate, manganese sulfate, powder charcoal, uh, sodium iodide something, glycerin. Anything with glycerin in it yeah. is guaranteed to raise eyebrows. Oh, no. Particularly if you're crossing the U.S. border with it. Sulfur, copper sulfate, potassium permanganate, Aluminum sulfate, calcium sulfate, cochineal. This is bringing back some memories. Calcium monosulfate, uh, ferrous ammonium sulfate. Oh, God, I'm just living the dream here. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or stream us live at geeksandbeats.com. Support the show on Patreon and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for a daily dose of the world's most popular podcasts with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation. So needless to say, I'm not calling her one. No, I, oh, yeah, no, no. Did a little research on the internet gotta, after that conversation. Okay, gotta, okay, delete browser. Are you, are you going to erase your browser history <laughs> delete now? Delete browser history, yeah. <laughs> All right. There we go. Hey, can I tell so you? I got the, sorry, I, all right. Good stuff. All right. We'll see you later. And uh, good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks, man.